Sunday Golds is back. Arya Masudi and Brett Nevitt. We've got a, another big series coming up for Florida State. They've won two top 20 series in a row, first against Virginia, then on the road against Virginia Tech. And um, they've also added a nice win over the fifth-ranked Florida Gators in Tallahassee, 10-2. to Brett, um, before we talk about this Miami series, the Canes actually ranked, depending on where you look, number five or number six in the country. Some, some have them at number eight, um, but a consensus top 10 team. Let's talk about this game that Florida State had against Florida because you and I actually chatted about maybe doing an instant react. We decided to to wait until this series to kind of have it be a, a rivalry pod, so to speak. What a job the Seminoles did. On the mound, at the plate, it all came together, and that's maybe the best Florida State's looked all season. Yeah, and it started with Montgomery setting the tone on the mound, I thought, um, coming out with three Ks in the first inning. Um, and then, you know, Robbie Martin puts puts a 3-0 lead on the board after three batters for the Noles. Um, taking advantage of a bad curveball, um, you know it, that, that they just they stepped on the throat early and they re- they really never stopped and that that was really good to see for sure and um, you know a fun night at the ballpark. Um, before we talk about the what they did at the plate um, on the mound, Carson Montgomery. It had been a couple of weeks since he saw live pitching action and Brett the freshman looked incredible. I thought the first inning he came out. Um, set the tone with three strikeouts, kind of displayed his stuff. Let and You've been saying that, that that Florida lineup might be the best one Florida State faces all year, and as we record this tonight, uh, they dropped a 13 spot on Texas A&M. So um, a lot of credit to you, Brett, for there, and I think they're proving you right, at least, uh, so to speak, so far. Um, but he comes out, sets the tone, and all night I thought he attacked Florida State's hitter, uh, uh, excuse me, Florida's hitters, even if he maybe didn't have his best overall command that he's going to have in his time at Florida State. Yeah, I mean, coming in, Florida was hitting 303 on the year with an OPS near 900. Um, you know, Judd Fabian, Nathan Hickey, Jacob Young, all those guys went through nine, and their lineup can rake. Um, and, you know, for four straight innings, he he basically shut them down completely. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was really fun to watch him do what he did. Um, you know, I, we've known what he can do when he's in the strike zone. Um, still wasn't at his best. I don't think um, there's still more to come from Carson. Uh, it, it, the fact that he wasn't at his best makes it even more exciting for me because you, you know like, what what is going to happen when he is at his best. Um, you know this just this just showed what he can be, um, showed how special he can be. Um, was dominant with three pitches basically fastball, fastball changeup and uh, slurve slider were all were all right were all on. I thought. Um, you know, early it seemed like the release point was on, and that was what what kind of keyed to me that it'd be a good night for him, um, especially with the slider. Uh, just 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 left guys guessing the whole night. Really, when you have three good pitches, it's going to be hard for anybody to ever sort of time you up. Um, you know, the changeup has taken a huge stride since he's been here. There's, there were a couple he threw the other night that were disgusting. I mean, some of them were really really good. Um, and then it's just the power on the mound. I mean, it, it's easy power. It jumps on guys. Uh, when you hold that lineup to no hits and four innings, it, it's really good. But, you know, just over 50% strikes and three walks, I think. Um, there's still more to come. There's still room for him to grow, a lot of room for him to grow. And at some point, this is going to be a Friday night starter for Florida State for sure. I think some of the walks, too, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, Brett, uh, he was – he was in two strike counts, I think, on all of them. I don't. I think they were all full counts that he lost. I think the first one was four pitch to Hickey, third batter of the game, and then after that, it was two full counts. I so think. So it wasn't completely like that. He had no, co- you know, like it wasn't like the bat just went away from him. I mean, he was battling and just couldn't make that final pitch or, or Florida, you know, yeah, spit on a good one. I still think he was nibbling a bit with two strikes. Um, you know, that's not something that that Belly really wants, but he just wants him to attack when he's up into counts. Um, some of that is a little bit pitch calling. Some of that is, is him. But, you know, I think as, as he starts to mature in age, he'll realize that his stuff is good enough just to go right at hitters and he doesn't need to waste pitches or, or nibble. He can just go, go in the zone and get swing and misses really often, especially lineups that are this good. So he's just going to get better and better. And, you know, I just think he gets better every time he steps on the mound, really. You know, the, the outing that he had um, and the spot that, Florida State decided to put him in playing against Florida. It reminded me a couple of times in the past where the Knowles have done that with guys who would go on to be their Friday night ace eventually in their careers. Luke Weaver comes to mind. I think a lot of Seminole fans listening will remember the start that I'm talking about. Um, I think it was like 2013 or 14 
before he really became the Friday guy for FSU, he went into Gainesville and shoved. It was incredible. It was the the talent that was on display, a fastball that was in the ninety, you know, mid nineties. And then there was another guy by the name of Tyler Holton who also got a chance on a midweek against Florida and really had a, a nice outing. And so those two guys paved their way in the midweek, ended up becoming Friday guys. I think obviously Carson Montgomery is headed to the same uh, spot for Florida State in his career, and that's on Fridays and, and the number one starter. Um, the Knowles pitched well all the way through. Um, mm. We can talk about Haney, Purdue, and Hare. Let's lump them all together. Um, the Knowles bullpen gives up just one hit the rest of the night. Had three walks, but struck out seven. And uh, Meat decided to go with uh, some experience um, in Haney first. And then um, I thought Purdue coming in there really showed me that, that Mike Martin Jr. wanted to kind of close the door down and not allow Florida, who was starting to climb back into it. They, they didn't really ever make a real threat, but they got two in the fifth, and you could tell that after that it was, uh, it was time for, for Meat to kind of see this thing be put in a spot where Florida wasn't going to come back, and I thought Purdue and Hare did a good job too. Yeah, and I think I think Meat said it was is had a lot to do just with them trying to you know they're still trying to figure out who their closer is and who can pitch in what moments. Um, to me, it was really that Meat was was saying you know we're going to shut this down and this this game means a lot to us. This game means something. This game is a game that we want to control for a while after you know a long losing streak. Um, I thought they were trying to send a message, and I thought they did it well. Um, you still haven't seen the best Hunter Purdue. I don't think. Um, I just I don't think they even threw their very best the other night, but it was still one of the, one of the best outings you can put together against that lineup. I think Florida State's given up um, only two runs in the last eighteen innings against Florida, and they have thirty Ks um, and given up about seven hits or something. I mean that's that's really good. You can't ask for much better. Um, Purdue, I mean, they're showing his power stuff, um, showing off the hammer curveball. Um, walks a couple guys, but he made big pitches when he needed them. Um, you know, Hare keeps throwing well in the ninth inning, so that's good to see. And then Chase, it was really good to see Chase do what he did too. Um, probably his second best or best outing of the year. Um, you know, he, he's, he's given them that, that veteran presence on the mound every time he comes out there, um, getting the job done. Uh, gave up a hit and hit somebody, but other than that, was was pretty spotless for for four ounce for them. Um, and it came in a big moment too, limiting the damage there in the fifth inning when they needed it. Um, Florida had a little momentum, but he was able to to scratch it right there. So, um, yeah, he basically ended the game, I thought. And, uh, yeah, using Purdue and Hare when you're up eight runs, that's not nice. That's not nice. Purdue, I think it was the curveball that he spun on one to to get a strikeout. I think it ended the seventh. You and I both sat. Yeah, yeah. we both sat in the the broadcast booth because the the announcing team for the National Network um, was calling the game remotely. And so um, you and I decided to to go into that that uh, broadcast booth, and it was a pretty good view in there. And um, we were able to have that live monitor that kind of showed us. And man, those looked really good. Um, the slow mo when they ran back the slow mo of uh, Purdue's breaking balls, they were fantastic. And you got to give credit to Davis Hare, by the way. Can can we talk about the the jump that he's made so far this season? Because last year was a little wild, at times inconsistent. We saw the stuff, like you saw, if he puts this all together it's going to be pretty good. And this season so far, he has. Yeah, I just think that um, for a guy that throws a splitter, a splitter is kind of inconsistent at times, not just not just his, but um, overall, a splitter is just a hard pitch to command. You know, the grip is tough. Um, but And he just struggled to get it down last year, I thought. And the other thing last year was he didn't have much of a breaking ball. Um, so the hitters were basically just choosing, just guessing between one or two pitches. And when they got the, the pitch they were looking for, they did damage often because he's up in the zone a lot. But this year's splitter has been down his own consistently. Um, he's got a, a get me over sort of slider that he can use and keep hitters off of off of his off his first two pitches. Um, you know the fastball is crisp. Um, I think it's a sinker sort of. Um, it's got some movement to it. It's not it's not not a flat fastball. I think last year was flat at times. Um, this year he's using it really well down in the zone. So, you know I think his issue last year was homers. I believe he gave up a couple homers. And that kind of messed up his ERA, but this year he's really keeping the ball down in the zone, and you know he he's definitely giving Florida State um, some some big innings here late in games for sure. Yeah, so Florida State's pitching staff the last few weeks arguably the best in the ACC, and that's something that Brett and I felt pretty it, comfortable it's, about. It's good. It's not getting hot. It, it's been hot all year, by the way. For anybody that thinks Florida State's pitching is just turning it on, yeah, I, I, I think we were both pretty comfortable and confident in the way that we felt about this pitching staff and uh, right now the ERA is in the low threes. And I think that's going to get even lower as the season continues on the Knowles 
I mean, look, they've got three guys in the weekend rotation, and you ran out Carson Montgomery. That's not fair. You um, you went up against what was thought to be the best pitching staff, the best team in the country going into the year. Like, no doubt. Everybody in the national media was no doubt. This is this is the pitching staff you want. Well, there's some Florida sarcasm State, in your voice, isn't there? Florida State had the number one prospect in the country for his class as our midweek starter, and they had a guy throwing 88 to 90 with, with no curveball, basically, and somewhat of a changeup. So... If you want to know where Florida State's pitching staff is, just look up the mat. Look at the matchup Florida State had um, on Tuesday. I mean, it doesn't get better than Car. It doesn't get better than Carson Montgomery has been a week starter. I-, I I promise you that's the best midweek starter in the country. It's pretty good. It's good stuff, and I think Florida State fans felt pretty comfortable when he came out there. Um, this game, you know, this game was over by. I hate to say like by the second inning, but now in hindsight, this game was over by the second inning. So. Give Carson credit, especially early on. He had his stuff, set the tone. Um, I think in games like this against rivals or even top five matchups, you know, when you play a good team like this, it's setting a tone early, setting an energy level. I think, by the way, credit to Florida State's baseball team. Um, we asked, I think a lot of fans had asked, we had kind of asked for for more of life in that dugout, for a little bit more of a tone being set, as I've said a couple times tonight, and uh, just some energy. And they've they've brought it. You know, Tyler Martin's bringing it. We saw Robbie. We're about to talk about Robbie Martin a lot, folks. Get ready. Um, Robbie Martin slamming his helmet at one point in a game that was a blowout. Um, we're seeing it. Like we're seeing this team start to have a sense of urgency, and that's why they're playing some of the best baseball in the country over the last two weeks. So, without further ado, let's talk about this lineup. And when I look at the middle of the order, and we'll—it's not exactly the middle, but we're going to go two through about six. And basically all your base hits except one come from those guys. Logan Lacey, shout out, three for five. Robbie Martin, we're going to save you for your own little segment. That was incredible. Matt Nelson, two for five, couple RBIs, monster home run. Exit Vila, what was it? 108, I yeah, think, or that, 107. That'll play. Um, Parker Messick, Wyatt Crowell. That's another game in a row. You can ask, uh, ask Brett how excited I get when Parker walks up to the plate, man. Like... I'm giddy. Like every time, every time he steps to the plate, Arya's just like, "Here comes a, here comes a bomb. It's gone. I guarantee it." He didn't give us any bombs uh, against Florida, but he did only go two I for can, four. Only I can predict those bombs. Right, two for four with an RBI, uh, made some hard contact. Wyatt Crowell absolutely roped one. Um, I think in his first plate appearance, his the only out he made on the day too was absolutely roped to the left field, to opposite field, and a lefty lefty. Um, he made it look easy that whole night. I, I, I've wanted to ask you this now, you know, since we've hit record, um, and I'm sure fans have, are thinking this too. Messick and Crowell, what what have we stumbled upon? <laughs> because it's completely changed the complexion of Florida State's lineup. Yeah, I mean, Parker has always hit. He, I mean, when he was in high school, he could hit. But, um, you know, the upside was on the mound when he got here, so that was what he was told to do. Um, you know, I... <laughs> There's definitely juice in that bat. There's there's a lot to like there. Um, it's fun to watch him hit. It's fun to watch him beat out infield grounders, even though it took him a little bit to get to first base. But, um, you know, watching him as a hitter, it's definitely given. The other thing is it's given the energy to this whole dugout, I think. Um, you know, this team loves Parker. They know he's a bulldog. Um, you, you'll hear Tyler Martin talk about it soon. But um, what he does for this team off the field, on the field, it, it, it's unmeasurable for Florida State. And with him in the lineup, it just seems that there's an extra kick to this Florida State lineup as a whole, and everybody wants to contribute. Um, you know, when one person starts hitting, then another person starts hitting, and all of a sudden your whole lineup's hitting. That's what it's felt like for Florida State. Crowell, I, I did not expect what I've seen so far from him. I, I never remember hearing about him much as a hitter in high school. Um, I knew he was a two-way. Didn't think he... Um, hit a ton, but he's, his swings looked good. The ball's coming off his bat hard. Um, he's athletic. Um, he's definitely got some tools in the outfield. We know he has a big arm. Um, it, it could be fun to watch him grow as a hitter um, and a pitcher. You know, we, we really like what he has as a pitcher, too. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely making this lineup. It's just making this lineup so much deeper. You know, we don't even have Reese Albert right now. Florida State, for the last 17, 16 innings, hasn't had – Reese Albert in there and they've put up 24 some runs so when you get Reese Albert back when you get a good Reese Albert back um, 
it, it, it could be something really, really nice for Florida State. That's for sure. And now the question becomes, like, what do you do with Elijah Cabell? I mean, if he gets 100% healthy, that, yeah, that he needs is, at bats, like, what do you do? Because that's, that's easily, the most, pow- yeah, it's easily so, the most power in your lineup. So I think for now the answer to that is, um, you know, you have scrimmages with guys that don't play much. You, you have enough guys on this roster where – um, you can have scrimmages with guys that haven't played much live scrimmages and, and just let your other guys sit out and rest um, during a Wednesdays or Thursday practices or whatever. But, um, you know, I think the answer could be have him DH when Messick pitches, let him get at bats. Uh, we all know what's in there for Elijah. Um, you know, we, we like we've talked about, he didn't get any sort of spring or fall um, preseason. So the answer for him is just to get at bats, see more pitching, um, you know, start to get more comfortable. Um, you know, it, it, if that comes around too, that's the thing. I think we talked about it. Um, I said to you leaving the ballpark on on Tuesday. You know, we just did this without two of the best four hitters we thought Florida State had coming into the season. I mean, Florida State's strength coming into the year was their outfield, and two of those three outfielders weren't even in there for that game and the last two games completely. So what 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 is the ceiling now if these guys start to be what we know they can be if Aria, if, if not Aria, if Elijah can be what Elijah was me too though last year if Reese can be what Reese is when he's on and you still get the contributions from these pitchers too and and you know you get a Dylan hit Simmons start to hitting I mean now you're looking at depth you're looking at power um it's Reese and Dylan Simmons were the best hitters coming into preseason, coming into the season from preseason, and I mean they haven't really contributed yet a whole lot. And and it's now that you got brought it up with me, it's just the ceiling is really raising here, especially for this lineup. Especially if I'm in the lineup, I mean, I'm I'm honored that that you think so highly of me um, with the with the bat in my hands. But um, we promised a Robbie Martin love fest right here. Um, he gets his own little shout out. Welcome back. RobbieRakes.com. That Brett and I have been talking about in other podcasts. Like we, I know we both mentioned some good swings he's had, start dating back to the Virginia series, where we thought he was starting to figure out the approach again. Um, and baseball is one of those those games where you just got to see a lot of pitches. Sometimes it literally is a numbers game. And for Robbie, we've been saying it's coming. Like don't don't worry. I kept using the word pedigree, track record. Like it's there. The kid didn't forget how to hit. Um, and he's, I think when he started to have some success with good at bats, with quality plate appearances, the rest was going to take care of itself uh, against Virginia tech. He finally had the breakthrough with the, with the opposite field home run. And then, oh my goodness. Um, poor Garrett Milchin, um, comes in, hangs a, a cement mixer of a curveball, and Robbie Martin just, I mean, I don't even think he got all of it and he still hit it pretty good. Finishes the night three for five, five RBIs. Um, let's one talk about Brett. I'm going to throw this to you. One, let's talk about Robbie Martin, the night that he had. Two, let's talk about how big it was for Robbie Martin to start things off immediately for Florida State to kind of seize momentum. And three, let's talk about this is the third thing. A three parter. You get a three parter. It's the trilogy. Three, talk about what he does for this lineup when he's going the way he does. Because I know Tyler Martin talks about it uh, a little bit later on in our interview. God, what was the... No, I remember the first one. Uh, night Robbie had, yeah. I mean, he just took advantage of two really bad curveballs. Um, you know, to see him do damage like that is really good. Um, I think he had one of his best... His best piece of hitting all night might have been his, his, his single in the eighth inning, I think. Roped a single right back up the middle, almost took out the pitcher's head, I think. I mean... He's hitting on all cylinders right now. He said after the game he's seen a beach ball at the plate. Um, you know, he had five RBIs on the night for the second straight night. He's got 17 RBIs this year now. Um, slugging 453 now. He's still hitting 283 after a slow start. I mean, this this is a guy that's really starting to just, just come around and, and see everything well and start to be what we expected him to be. Um, you know, I don't think Robbie was ever a serious concern for me just because we know, like we said, we know who Robbie is. We know what he can do, what he will do. Um, so yeah, I mean, he, he carried the freight that night for the second straight game. Um, it's just, it's, it's really good to see him do this stuff. Um, and then the, I mean, yeah, to strike first, 
like that. I mean, we both said it. We need the Florida needed Florida State needed to get out early, um, and they needed to, to be able to control this game how they wanted to um, relieve Montgomery of some pressure. Um, when you can do that for your freshman and score a lot of runs for him, it's a really good luxury. Um, it's just against a team like Florida, who, who like they're another team that when they get going, it's hard to stop. Hard to stop that train and get it back off the off the tracks. I mean, um, Florida Florida State just came out with a ton of energy. It was really fun to see. I mean, you got you got some of these guys going nuts in the dugout. I mean, I think I saw. Um, I think it was the second inning or the first inning um, where where Nelly had the play, throws the guy on at second base off the wild pitch. Um, first of all, that's an amazing play, and Nelly has completely shut down the running game this year. Um, but in the dugout after it, in the middle of the innings, it's just the whole team all of a sudden started clapping. The whole team started going nuts in the dugout. I don't know what happened, but that was really good to see. I think this is just a team that's starting to come together a lot. And, you know, this is a team that heard the doubters early on, and, and, and they were ready to prove them wrong. Um, they were ready to pr- prove to other people that they, that they knew who they are and they know they're a good team. Um, and then third question, like you said, um, what does it do for Florida State when, when, when Robbie's doing this? I mean, this isn't good old Robbie Martin. This isn't the old Robbie Martin. This isn't freshman year Robbie Martin. This is a brand new Robbie Martin who is a guy that has 10-plus home run potential. He's a guy that can do damage, a guy that can crush freaking moon balls. I don't even know what to call that home run. Um, that thing was crushed. I know it said it was 400 feet. Like we've talked about, we thought it was way farther than that. That thing looked like it was clearing clearing the freaking circus. It was that ball was moving. Um, I didn't even watch it. I just saw it off the bat, and started typing. I was like, that ball is, is the ball is pretty far. Um, but when you have Robbie doing power production like this, damage like this, um, you know, didn't have a homer last year. Only four the in his freshman year, and I think three of them came in one series. Uh, you know, three homers in the last two games now. Um, a two homer game for him. I mean, this is just gonna. This is just the beginning. I think for Robbie, um, the power's always been in there. He just hasn't been able to open it up. Um, but you know, we saw him. I think when we talked to him way back when, before the season, he had told me, you know, you don't swing for homers. Pitchers throw homers. Um, pitchers made mistakes to him twice on on that night, and he he destroyed both of them. So to see him take advantage of bad pitches and in favorable counts and and do what he needs to do. Um, this Florida State lineup is going to be as good as it gets when Robbie Martin is is really producing some runs for them, I think. Oh, yeah. And uh, something else I wanted to touch on, and you have to excuse me pausing here because I'm, I'm just reading through the box score and the line scores. And um, So a lot of fans, Brett, have been asking, when is this team going to stop striking out so much? And we've been patiently saying, as they get more comfortable with the approach – Um, they will be okay. And you and I both alluded to the key to not striking out so much is don't get too deep into counts. You want to attack the the pitcher. If it's a fastball, and you're going to hear Tyler Martin talk about this, if you see an early fastball in the count, you're going after it. If they want to pitch breaking balls, they better better prove that they can throw their breaking balls early in counts for strikes um, if they want Florida State to go deep into counts. Um, The Knolls, last two games, 14 runs. And 10 runs. Brett, uh, against Virginia Tech, just four walks, seven strikeouts. Different different from uh, Florida State teams that we've seen in the past, right? The walk numbers are starting to drop a little bit. But that'd be, that, that means FSU's putting the ball into play. Against Florida, how about uh, a two-walk um, two walk performance? Nine, strikeout perfor- uh, nine strikeouts, I'll live with it. That's not that bad, honestly, for FSU. Um, I could go all the way Still up to about more 12. runs and hits. Yeah, 12, I mean, I've been more saying, runs and strikeouts. I've been saying 12 or 13 strikeouts a night I'm fine with. Um, and now uh, I'll make a couple of points. One, I'm looking at the counts in which Florida State's doing damage. You ready? Robbie Martin, home run to right field. Three RBIs on a 1-0 count. Um, second inning, the Lacey ball that sh- almost cleared the park. That was a first pitch. I have, I have, the, I have, in the first two innings, Florida State swung at a first pitch eight times. And, High five. Good job. And it went for five hits. So that's the approach we've been talking about, right? Like but, that's, that's what Florida State can do. My other thing is, though, I think it can vary against who you face. Um, you know, Milton came in walking one guy. 
in nine innings. So there was no reason for Florida State to wait around. They knew he was going to throw mostly fastballs. They knew he was going to be attacking the zone. So they just went and they said, if you're going to give us it, we're going to swing at it and we're going to try to do damage with it. So if, if they're not giving away a free first pitch, they're going to do damage, I think. And that's what we saw. That's what we saw on Tuesday. I'm going to keep going. Matt Nelson, OO pitch, RBI single. Uh, and then later on, OO pitch right after a homer. It's his own homer. Yep. Sixth inning. Robbie Martin's home run that went a million feet was on a 1 0 pitch. Matt Nelson, you just alluded to it, OO pitch. Folks, Florida State's going after pitches early, and that's that's something you guys have been asking about. And you kept saying, when is Meat going to do it? Well, Meat never changed it. it. It it has to do with batters being comfortable with what they want to do. Now, look, Brett just said it, and I can't agree more. There are times when a pitcher doesn't have it, and he's all over the place. And guys like Tyler Martin are going to absolutely sit there and take deep counts. Like Tyler, if Tyler doesn't get a first pitch fastball or something that he can kind of work with, he's not swinging. Um, if there are pitchers that are struggling, Florida State's not going to swing. But the book on the Seminoles for Kevin O'Sullivan for years has been if you fill up the strike zone, you're going to hold Florida State to about three runs or less almost every time. Well, uh, listen, Kevin, better start changing how you approach Florida State. Hey, this Kevin, isn't, Kevin, this isn't this isn't Eleven's Knowles, man. This Kevin, isn't this isn't old. This isn't Dad's Knowles. Kevin's zero two against Meat. Man. I'm just saying, Kevin is zero two against Meat. Good work. I mean, look, like it's different. And yeah, there's a little snark in, in my tone right now because times are changing. I mean, if Florida wants to start beating Florida State again, you might want to change how you pitch against the Knowles. You're not going to run Garrett Milchin out 88 to 90 trying to throw fastballs first pitch. This isn't, this isn't FSU of old. Um, they will attack. And uh, kudos to Florida State because they came out, they made a statement. And when you have a number one pitcher, freshman pitcher, <laughs> On the mound, too. Um, it's bad news for, for the Gators. I don't care. If the Gators struck one. out 16 times and four Florida hits. State's been striking everybody out, though, on that mound. The thing, yeah, I think I calculated it right before this game. Um, and, you know, people really complain about Florida State's strikeouts on the, on the, in the box. Well, Florida State's strikeout percentage on the mound is almost exactly as much as on, in the box. So, I mean, Florida State is striking out, but Florida State is also striking teams out. Like, this team is built off power on both sides of the ball, really. Like, and when that power is clicking, it's it's going to be something that that's special. I mean, Meats always said this team's going to rely on power a lot, like the Tampa Bay Rays did. You know, the power on the mound, stable of arms, um, power bats, big hits, and big moments. I mean, Florida State had six two out hits um, the other day. I think a lot of the two out hits in the second inning. I think a lot of them came there, and they really started to put Florida away um, after a Matt Nelson stolen base that got re- overturned. Um, you know, Nander had another double to opposite field on a on a fastball that was absolutely ripped. I think that was two strikes. Um, I mean, shout out to Logan Lacey. Um, this this guy is really one of the unsung heroes of this team. Really, um, he's just f- flexible, gives me flexibility, stability um, for this guy to be able to s- just slide right into center field and play a strong center field. Um, you know, a natural thir- for, uh, infielder. I mean, he, he just does a lot of things good. He's been hitting the ball hard all year, I think, but it's really starting to get rewarded. Um, you know, he ripped that ball that went off the bottom of the fence, two other hits, um, two runs, um, just does a lot of things for this team. Two of his three hits came on first pitch swings. Um, an aggressive player um, puts the ball in play at a high rate, um, just does so much for this team. And then Matt Nelson, like we said, just the power is really starting to come like we thought it would. It is really, I mean, his last five homers are all – 400 plus feet and 105 plus exit velocity. That's not, and that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, what does he have? Six homers this year, right? And that's, uh, it's really, and the power behind the plate too, the power arm behind the plate. He's got five homers this year. So his last four homers have all been 400 plus feet, but either way, I mean, for him to be doing this and, you know, hitting fourth now, um, he's going to, he's going to bring in a lot of runs for Florida state this year. And and things are just starting to look much prettier now. Yeah, the the ACC. I don't want to. I don't want to just say something like they've been put on notice. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. But you I think you should know Florida State. I mean, they should know. They all should I'm always say, be on. Notice. All I'm saying is, the days I think of FSU leading the nation in mm-hmm. walks, and you know, I think that number might drop a little bit, but that's okay because I think the uh, I think the batting averages are going to soon start to climb upwards, and the power numbers are really going to start to climb upwards because it's clear meat has a. It is a philosophy that's not too, too different 
from his father's um, at the plate, but it is different. It's definitely different. There's there's different ways you can put pressure on people, and you know you can put pressure on people by walking and uh, making them throw a lot of pitches, but you can also force a pitcher out of a game real quick and get to your bullpen when you when you're putting hits up on the board. So there's lots of different ways to do it. There's not really a right or wrong way, uh, but Florida State definitely went the right way the other night with the coaching. I love that this staff, whether they're using analytics, whether they've talked to Belly, you know, and and picked his brain on the pitching side of things, whether it's Metcalf, who's come in and kind of brought a professional approach um, to to some different, you know, to some different areas on this team. This staff, I love that they are emphasizing that sometimes the best pitch you're going to get in the entire bat is going to be the very first pitch. And that's something you've seen MLB teams subscribe to. You've seen um, other college baseball teams that have hit pretty well subscribe to. Um, and now Florida State's starting to do it. I mean, yeah, you're going to work you're going to work the, the count if you have to, and, and you can. And, uh, Meat will always say it this way. He'll say, swing at the pitches you're supposed well, to and let the ones that you're, you're supposed to go go. You know, Meat's, one of Meat's biggest mottos is just that good hitters don't give away bad pitches. You don't give away mistake pitches. You don't watch the fastball middle third. That's just – you're not a good hitter if you do that, and you'll never be a good hitter if you do that. Um, so to see it really start to play on the field and see these guys really starting to take it um, onto the field, it, it's the the ceiling is really rising right now. It's all it's ceiling is the roof, man. <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> um, I w- I was interested though that both the Robbie's home runs came on um, off speed pitches. I don't know if Florida tipped it off somehow or Robbie just had like a pretty good approach, you know, in his mind on, you know, uh, anticipation of what he thought he might well, get. But he, he was all over him. I think it's because Robbie is starting to approach right field, which I don't, I mean, opposite field. I don't think it really ever changed for him. But being able to approach opposite field, um, you know, if you're looking for a fastball, then if you get a hanging breaking ball, your bat is going to be, your bat path is going to be right so where you pull a hanging breaking ball right over the fence. So that's large the large approach of why, Florida State is taught to look away, 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 fastball, fastball, fastball. Because even if you guess wrong, even if you're looking for the wrong pitch, you can still hit the off speed because that's just how your bat path is going to be. Yeah. Um, all said, Florida State knocks off Florida 10-2. to two. Uh, If you're keeping track at home, that is the first time since 2015 that Florida State has back-to-back wins over Florida. So a winning streak for the first time in six seasons. Um, the largest margin of victory for Florida State since 2008. That team had Buster Posey, Tony Delmonico, um, Jack Rye, Dennis Quinn. Um, that team made Omaha, and that team also beat Florida 10-2. to That was Kevin O'Sullivan's first season uh, in Gainesville. And so that ties his worst loss to Florida State in his career. And I just wonder, like, what's going through the minds of, of them, you know, of, of that staff in Florida, you know, in Gainesville, like, uh, well, Florida State's different. This isn't. This is gonna be different for us going forward. And uh, give the Knolls a lot of credit. I thought they played well. Shout out Tyler Martin gets on base a couple more times, um, folks. He's getting on base over fifty six percent of the of his at bats. It's crazy. Um, Ryan Romano didn't have the greatest day at the plate. Incredible play at third base to rob a hit. Well done. And uh, I thought it was a complete team effort. Brett, is there anything else you want to add on things you thought with the Gator game? I think we covered it all. No negatives for me. So All right. So we just talked about Tyler Martin, um, one of the best leadoff hitters in the ACC, maybe even the country. And he sat down with Brett to, to talk about Florida State getting things back on track. First off, Tyler, coming off the UF game last night, just, just what's the feelings in the locker room last night and how confident as a team do you guys feel right now coming off of that? Uh, definitely feel really confident. Um, yeah, last night was huge. We just, we played together as a team and everything I thought came together. We had one little error towards the end. It didn't turn into anything. Um, defense was clean. Pitching was immaculate. And, um, yeah, we really swung it and the energy in the locker room was, it was special. Definitely. You've obviously been around the program a long time, and you know you were there for the last UF win at home when uh, Quincy Neaporti hit that homer. Um, just you know, it's it's another game, but it's also a rivalry game. Just um, how big of a game is that for you guys? Do you approach it any differently, or is it just any other game for you guys? Um, yeah, we saw it as a big game, but it wasn't um, 
not necessarily like like life or death or anything like that. It wasn't, you know, we didn't put too much pressure on ourselves. We just went out and um, did what we do. And it was it was really cool to see that. You yeah, know. You yeah. You guys just came home from Virginia Tech as well. And, um, you know, you were greeted by some nice chants there. Um, just what were your first thoughts when you stepped in the box? And um, did that give you some extra motivation as well? Oh, I had a feeling it was coming. Uh, they were pretty much all over me before the game. So I had a feeling, you know, the chance were coming, but when I get in the box, I mean, I, I really don't hear it. It's just me and the pitcher. I don't pay too much attention. I mean, as soon as you start letting the crowd in your head, you're not going to, you know, perform. So no, it didn't really bother me, but it definitely brought some um, extra motivation, a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder. And yes, sir. Is this how good did it feel um, to take home that series win, especially the way you guys did it on on Sunday, you know, coming through as an offense and really breaking out? Um, you know, you were really pumped up a couple of times coming across the plate. Just just how exciting was that win and, you know, that that, that uh, plane ride back? I can tell you I have not wanted to win a game more in my life than that one. Um, things got pretty chippy on Saturday, and I think we took that uh, pretty personal. Um we felt disrespected and, you know, we took matters in our own hands and we took care of business. You know, when, when Parker and Parker and uh, Wyatt step in the in lineup and, you know, Parker hits that, that Homer in the first inning, just, just what did that do for you guys as a dugout? And, you know, just, just, just overall Parker and the energy he brings to this team, how, how important is he to this team? I wasn't even surprised. Uh, I mean, the kid hadn't seen live pitching in two years. I wasn't surprised at all when he hit it out. Um, He's and he's a bulldog. I mean, he's an animal. There's no two ways about it. The guy goes out and he balls and it doesn't matter, you know, the adversity he's facing or, you know, how many reps he's had in practice hitting. It it doesn't matter. He's going to go out there and play and he's going to give you everything he's got. Just going back a bit um, to when you early enrolled, just just what was that process like for you? And, And was that something that you were expecting to do or was it was it kind of a surprise for you? Um. It, no, it was definitely a surprise. Um, the process, it was pretty stressful, actually. Uh, he came to me in October. We talked about it, like, hey, you want to do this? I, I didn't hesitate one bit. But the biggest thing was in the classroom. I had to get going on some classes, you know, to finish up my credits in order to graduate early. But um, And then having to get accepted, um, having to get test scores in, blah, blah, blah. And really, it was just more of the whole, like, school side of it but yeah it worked out you've been around this program for a while and you've you've been you've been in the dugout for a lot of big moments but where does that first at bat um uh, stack up for you you know leading off that that first game of your career where does that stack up in all the moments that you've seen at florida state baseball um i don't even remember a single pitch it was i just remember both of my legs shaking and I heard my name called and I was like, wow, this is real. And, um, just went out there tried to see as many pitches as I could. And, um, I think it was a walk, but yeah, it was, it was pretty special. Definitely. I was just like, don't strike out, don't strike out. <laughs> you know, how, how, just the way you guys were playing at the end of the season, how, how good did you think that team was going to be? And, you know, when you, when you realize that you may be done with some of the guys that were there, when first you guys thought you may be losing Chase, you know, your last game with CJ and Drohan and those guys, just just what was the feeling at the end of the season last year? And I guess just – and then from there until the first game this year, how how big of a difference was it, just the, just the overall feeling you guys had? It was devastating last year. I mean, I, I felt and I think everybody else felt that we were just getting started. I mean, we came off of Florida and then came in the next day, beat, beat Illinois State. And uh, and then we got the news, I think, the following day. But, no, we were just getting started. And I think right now we're picking up right where we left off. And it's it's really coming together. You know, you might, you might have had one of the bigger advantages over the summer. You didn't go and play summer ball, but, you know, you got to be um, with me the whole summer. And, and, you know, I think you said in the past that you guys went and did stuff and random fields around Tallahassee. Just, just what was that whole entire summer like working with me and how big of an advantage did you feel like you had coming into fall? Um, I mean, nothing really changed in the off season, me and him have always, you know, gone straight to work, you know, we'll take one or two weeks off, go to the beach, go do whatever. And then, um, it's right back to work, but yeah, it was, uh, definitely beneficial. Got in the weight room, got stronger, put on a little bit more weight and, um, 
just got better in the field, hitting just every aspect of the game, just, you know, cleaning up little things here and there. Obviously you, you hit well last year and you looked pretty comfortable in the box, but just how much even more comfortable were, were you this year going into the season when you actually, you had a full fall in the program for once? Um, it definitely helped. Yeah. I mean, I only had what, two or three weeks last spring to get ready for, um, you know, college arms, but, uh, I think it's, it's more psychological, you know, you're only as ready as you think you are. And I thought that I was ready and, you know, you go in there with that confidence and that chip on your shoulder is, it's going to show. You know, I believe you've only struck out like 3% of the time this year. And, um, you know, you, you've shown that approach the most out of anybody, the most consistent, just, you know, I think you've worked out worth it with your whole entire entire life, really just how comfortable, comfortable are you in the approach and, and what does it do for you at the plate? Well, the approach, it's never changed. Uh, it's, you know, hit what you should hit, take what you should take. And whether that's a, any count, it doesn't matter. Um, two strikes, oh, oh, you know, if it's oh, hit the fastball. And if it's oh, oh, he spins a breaker, you know, take it. But, um, yeah, the approach, it's, it's never changed. And, you know, just taking into this year even more so, um, I think um, – I think I've seen the ball a lot better and yeah, it's just, it's been going well so far. Happy to see some other guys get going too. those averages starting to climb up a little bit. And um, I, I really don't even think we played our best baseball yet. You know, how much pride do you take in leading off and, and how much fun is it to, to sort of set the tone for a game? Well, I mean, my favorite is, you know, getting that first fastball and just lacing it somewhere. I think it really sets the tone, um, kind of gets, you know, the opposing team, you know, on their heels a little bit and like, oh, well, you know, okay, we're coming to play today. And, um, yeah, it just it depends on the situation. You know, I might want to see some pitches or I might want to just come out swinging right out of the gate. just depends on the arm and um you know, how many fastballs he throws for strikes and certain counts, but yeah, leading off it, um, I, I love it. I don't really care to hit anywhere else, but yeah. You know, I know you had, you dealt with some injuries last year and you dealt with a couple injuries this, this year. Just, just how do you feel, um, health wise? Do you feel like you're, you're a hundred percent or getting close to there now? I think we're getting close. Uh, the groin is, I think almost back to a hundred percent. Um, the shoulder is lingering. I don't know if it'll ever be a hundred percent this year, but it's, it's getting better. But I think with first base and, you know, having limited throws and stuff like that definitely is helping it get better. You're talking about some guys coming around and obviously Robbie has really come out around in a big way the past couple of days. You know, you were, you were at the plate yesterday when he kind of slammed his helmet after that big homer. Just to see Robbie, a guy that doesn't usually show too much emotion, show that excitement and that fire. Just, just what was that like to see, and and how good is he when when he gets going? It was special. Uh, when Robbie gets going, it's um, he, he's a he's a problem. He really is because he's a streaky guy and he's got pop and he's going to stay gap to gap, but. You know, when he gets going, especially in the middle of our order, it's um, it definitely it's night and day with our success. You know, you guys obviously got off to a bit of a slow start, but just how, how do you still stick to your goals and just remember that, you know, the goal, the standard is always Omaha. You know, it, it's only week two that, that we get swept. It, it's not going to matter at the end of the year if we do what we do. Just just what was the message in the locker room after that weekend? Don't panic. Uh, again, it's the second weekend. There's no need to jump to conclusions or, you know, say oh, this is the problem or that's the problem. You know, we're, we're going to stick together and we're going to figure it out. And nothing nothing ever changes. Just stay the course and stick together and everything's going to be all right. You know, you said you, you don't think the team has played the best, their best, you guys' best baseball yet. Just, just how good do you think this team when you guys can be when you guys fully click? Sky's the limit. Um, our bullpen, obviously, as deep as it gets. Defense has been really impressive this year. And, of course, these past two days, the bats really woke up. But it's, it, I can't wait to see, you know, as soon as we start playing, you know, Florida State. Because I really don't think we've even played our best baseball yet. There's still a few things that need to be cleaned up, um, little things. But I've, I've been really pleased so far.
Thank you to Tyler Martin for hopping on this episode and giving us uh, his perspective on Florida State and the, the surge that they're on. But Brett, um, Tyler Martin has meant a lot to this Florida State baseball team. There was a time where people were doubting whether or not he belonged, um, not just at Florida State, but at high level D1. Uh, I think he's kind of shown people up and um, this guy has, has really earned the respect, I think, of, of college baseball. Yeah, I mean, it's cliche to say it's cliche to say, but he's he's a coach on the field. Um, you know, he's a coach's son. He's he's a coach's coach's son. Um, he just doesn't get. He's the guy on the baseball field that pisses a lot of people off when you play him. Um, just just knows what he's doing all the time. Doesn't do many things wrong. And you know, the biggest thing I think is just he knows what it means to play at Florida State. He knows how important um, every game is. He knows how he knows how important the standard is. Um, everything like that. I mean, he was there for the last time Florida State beat Florida. Um, you know, when Quincy Neoporti walked it off. I mean, you've seen the clips. Um, little old Tyler Martin running around the plate there in his Little League jersey. So um, this is just, yeah, he's one of the best table setters in the country. Um, knows what he's doing. Takes pride in what he's doing. Um, really fun to watch him go to work every day and, and sort of pr- prove people wrong. Yeah, he's done that. And I think Florida State's starting to do that a little bit over the last couple of weeks as a roster and as a squad. All right, so Florida State, they have two series wins in a row, a big a big midweek win that feels like a series win um, against Florida. But now, um, as, as important as that Florida game is for recruiting and, and for bragging rights, it's a midweek game, and you really don't base this team and success on the midweek. You base it on the weekends. And they've got a challenge ahead of them in Coral Gables. It's the, the Miami Hurricanes, Nine and four, five and three in the ACC. This is a Hurricanes team that is under Gino Damare, who took over for Jim Morris a few years back. This is his third season, and Miami has a lot of talent, folks. Like they have um, a lot of good good ability in in the lineup. They've got uh, a couple of stud freshmen in the weekend rotation, and uh, it's a Miami team that took two of three against the Florida Gators in Gainesville to start the year. Um, they did also lose a series to Virginia Tech at home. The same Virginia Tech, Florida State just took two or three in Blacksburg. So I actually think this is a pretty even matchup. Um, historically, if you think about it too, Florida State actually owns the series, all, uh, has the series lead all time. Miami has been better in Coral Gables than Florida State. But in recent history, it's always felt like the team that is on the road has had the upper hand. Um, Miami did put an end to like some crazy away team streak. Uh, a couple of years ago when they knocked off Florida State uh, two out of the three games. But the last 10, Brett, Knowles are 6-4 and four against Miami. And they go down this week uh, to, uh, I believe it's, is it uh, Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark Light Stadium? That, that's correct. And they take on this Miami team that's going to start two freshmen um, on Friday and on Saturday. They've got some big power in their lineup and a bunch of names that I think Seminole fans have already seen a number of times in that lineup. Yeah. A bunch of, a bunch of names you've probably already seen, but um, you know, Miami's going to get a lot of damage from a lot of these young guys they have. Um, I think they have three or four freshmen in the lineup. Um, you know, Yandy Morales, third baseman is, is there, is their four hitter. Stud. Um, Patelli at shortstop is a freshman. He's a vacuum at shortstop. Um, you know, Christian Del Castillo is a Juco guy that comes over, um, Adrian Del Castillo's older brother. Um, just a lot of really, there's a lot of talent in that lineup for sure. Um, like you said, there's a lot of talent, um, uh, a lot of young talent in the, in, in the weekend rotation as well. The thing I think that Miami lacks a bit because of injuries and other stuff is, is depth. Um, I think if Florida state can, can sort of make them get to their depth a lot, that they could have a good chance this weekend. Um, that's why I don't know. Um, you know, like we said, approach changes from time to time, how you attack, attack things the ways you want to. Um, we'll see how Florida State does it. Um, Rosario, Medeiros, Fetterman, they all got good stuff. So it's definitely going to be a tough task for Florida State, but if they play like they've played lately, um, it, sh- it should be a good series, I think. Yeah, so let's talk about their lineup before we get into the individual pitching matchups. Uh, Jordan Lala has been there for a while. Um, he plays left field for them, and I, I believe he's their leadoff hitter. Yeah, um, scrappy. Yep. Uh, Tony Jenkins has been there a while. Um, he has not had the the oh, year. Man. He has not had the year that I think he had hoped for. He's actually hitting 081. So <laughs> he should he should be an automatic out for FSU pitching. You would hope that this is not the weekend that he he you know he, he kind of has one of those fluke weekends he's three for 37 oh my yeah. and gosh. i mean gill another one who has always been a guy for them is 
immense power. Then in 133. Yeah, immense um, immense pop. Uh, Game you know, Rivera is pretty I, good, too. I think his one homer was like 450 feet of Florida. Yeah. Wow. So then they've got some guys, though. Um, everyone knows the name. Um, I think at this point, Alex Terrell. Um, he's supposed to be a, a pretty high draft pick because of the power that a lot of people think reminds them of like a Yonder Alonso. Um, for for those of you who've been watching college baseball for a while, and Yonder made the MLB a little bit too, had a, had a little career. Um, the Del Castillo brothers, uh, they can hit. Adrian is widely considered one of the best catching prospects um, in the draft coming up. Maybe the best depends on who you talk to. Villar's been there a while. He can he can really uh, swing the stick. And then Yehandi Morales. There have been some people that have compared him, you know, to a a young A Rod in terms of just the way he swings it. He's six foot three. Um, a Rod would have gone to Miami, you know, if he hadn't gone pro. Um, but there's a lot of guys um, for this Miami team that can do damage. I think the one area you and I both pointed out when we were kind of doing our preliminary research was there's a lot of lefties in this lineup for the Canes. Like, uh, it's not going to be a shock to see five or six of them be lefties in that lineup. And um, uh, Damare is going to have to maybe put some righties in there that have not hit very well this year just to kind of offset that lefty-lefty matchup. So it'll be interesting to see which way he goes, who he takes out of the lineup. Um, both of the Del Castillo brothers are lefties. Um, Toral's a lefty. Uh, Lala's a lefty. Villar, I believe, is a lefty. Um, yeah, there's a couple. So that's something I think could play to Florida State's advantage if Messick and Hubbard are, are on their A games. Yeah, for sure. I think the matchup is definitely there for Florida State to take advantage of. But, you know, for guys like Adrian Del Castillo, I mean, even lefty-lefty, it's still one of the best hitters in the entire country you know i know he was a golden spikes preseason guy for for a lot of a lot of different media outlets um you know hasn't really turned it on fully yet this year but that's a guy that you have to be extremely careful pitching to can do damage in any count against any pitcher um definitely going to be a major league guy at some point um you know vr has been off to a really good start this year um even lefty lefty terrell is always going to have the power in the bat and if you make one mistake to him um, you, you, you could be in a big hole. I mean, I think he hit a grand slam against Florida State two years ago, if I remember correctly. Um, I think Del Castillo's brother, like you said, is also lefty. Um, so, yeah, and Lala, the leadoff hitter, is a lefty. So there's definitely the matchup there for Florida State. But all these guys, um, they can hit. They do it against everybody. So um, you still got to be extremely careful. And like you said, they got to execute. They still got to execute. But um, they got to be on with their breaking balls. Um, if they're on with their breaking balls, I think we both think that it could be a s- successful weekend for Florida State's weekend rotation and some of those veteran arms out of the pen like Kwiatkowski and, and Scalaro as well. Yeah, the Miami lineup, it has some some big names, but not a whole lot of... one. I think one through five is really dangerous, and after that you have you know a, a big drop-off. Yeah, I think the depth is the problem there for Miami. And uh, they hit only 258 as a team. Um, solid 371 on base percentage. They fit for some pop, not a crazy amount. Um, just 15 home runs as a team. I think Florida came in, what, with like 26 home runs or something like that? Yeah, like 23. Something, they, something they in that ballpark. more tonight. Yeah, so um, this is a Miami team that their, their lineup's good. I mean, it's solid. But the reason that I believe that they have had a surge this season and they've been off to a nice start, and we're going to talk about is their, is their uh, pitching rotation. And that, that's because two freshmen that they've put in there have been outstanding. Um, and uh, Alejandro Rosario, uh, Friday night, uh, Victor Medeiros uh, on Saturday. Um, Fetterman started as the Friday guy. It didn't go well. Uh, Fetterman's a guy who's been in their bullpen before in his career, and um, he has an 8-10 ERA in 13 innings. It's really good stuff. Like, out of the bullpen, he was throwing 96-97. Um, out of on – the, on the mound as a he's starter, like- he's more like 90-94 to 94. Um, from what I've seen when I've seen him in. And, and he, maybe he can run it up there to a five, but he doesn't really work that high um, high in the velocity. Pitchability guy now, really. Yeah, but, and he just hasn't had a lot of success, success as a starter. Like, that just has not gone well for him. So what they did was they moved him to uh, Sundays, and uh, Alejandro Rosario and Victor Medeiros are now one and two. Rosario's an absolute stud. This is a guy that uh, many people thought would go pro, um, he decided, I think, that he wanted first-round money. There were some concerns on um, anything, you know, other pitches, um, his off-speed, um, the development of those at that point in, the, uh, in his career, and he actually turned down some some decent uh, offers to to go pro in the second and third rounds. So in a lot of ways, it's like Carson Montgomery for Florida State. Um, Rosario finds a way to get to campus. He has been 
an absolute stud. Let's start there. Rosario, Messick should be a lot of fun Friday night. Yeah, Miami is one of the best, or really the best freshman class in the country. Um, Rosario heads that. Um, will probably be 92, 94 with the fastball, some up in mid-90s, uh, 95, 96 once in a while. Um, but the thing is with this fastball, it has extreme arm side run. Um, it, it will bear down on right-handed hitters' hands. you got to be ready for it. Um, it will come off. It will backdoor you, too. Um, he can do a lot of different things with his fastball alone and just the movement on that pitch. I believe his best off-speed pitch is his changeup, um, a mid-80s changeup that has parachuting action to it. Kind of just gets halfway to the plate and just stops. Just just a lot really hard for hitters to lay off of. Has really given guys trouble this year with that. Um, you know, Rosario gave up five innings in his first inning against Florida, and now is a one nine six ERA after twenty three innings. So he's obviously the guy, a guy that, that figured it out quickly um, for a freshman to to not implode completely. Um, that's pretty special for sure. Um, you know, only giving up fifteen hits in twenty three innings, just seven walks, throws strikes, um, twenty three Ks, but one seventy nine batting average against. Um, that's that's really good. Um, so. This is a kid that is definitely going to have top-tier stuff, definitely going to give Florida State some troubles. Um, you know, you might see some swing and miss, but um, we'll see how Florida State approaches a young guy like this. Um, for Messick, I just want to see him get back down in the zone with his fastball. You know, I think I talked about after Virginia Tech that that was really the one thing he struggled with, and it kind of let Virginia Tech get a hold of some of his off-speed and kind of sit on those off-speed. If he can get back down with his fastball and, and really start to pound the zone with that, He'll be fine. Other than that, he's been great this year, and he, he was great at Virginia Tech too. Um, like you said, I think it's a good matchup for him. Um, so I'd just like to see him go out and execute his pitches a little bit more this weekend. And if he does, I think, think he'll set himself up to uh, maybe clinch a Series W the next day as a hitter. So we'll see, we'll see what happens there with um, DH and stuff like that for Florida State. Any shot that we see Parker in the lineup the same day that he pitches uh, i don't think so just because it, it um i think they just want him to focus on pitching for that day it also gives you a little weird tweaking of the lineup after he comes out of the game as a pitcher um, i would just like to see him go and pitch for the day i mean you can you can sacrifice those at bats for one day you know let elijah cabell try to go run into one ball or let garrett mathis go in there and put you give you some high contact rate there's definitely more capable guys in Florida State's dugout, so I don't think I don't think he'll hit when he's pitching. I don't yeah. think we don't expect. But Reece- we didn't think he was going to hit this year at all. So. Right. Um, we don't expect Reese Albert to be available this weekend. Um, Meet said a while um, when he was talking about it, but I wouldn't say like it's a hundred percent chance that Albert doesn't play this weekend. Reece- but he- I would be surprised. He was out there um, on Tuesday, just walking around and you know, dressed out and stuff, not wearing cleats. But, you know, after we saw him in, with the goggles on, the concussion goggles, it was good to see him out and about just wearing just wearing sunglasses, acting like nothing nothing's wrong here, everything's yeah. normal. So it was good to see that. I don't think he'll be out for very long, but we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, so Friday, 7 o'clock, ACC Network. Uh, Rosario fastball can get up to 98, and it's pretty it's pretty electric. Um, we'll see if he has command. He has so far this year. He's the reigning ACC Pitcher of the Week. Um, because he was fantastic against Wake Forest. And so uh, we will see how uh, the Knowles do. I think y- you like Messick in that environment. These types of games, I think, bring the best out of Parker Messick, um, these types of high-energy games. And, and if you don't think Parker knows, he's going up against a kid who's been, you know, um, lauded his entire, you know, high school career, and he's this prospect. Um, Parker Messick lives to, to pitch uh, in these types of situations. So I'm excited for that one. Then you turn to Saturday. It'll be Hubbard against Victor Medeiros, another guy who can get it up there to about 95, 96 with a fastball. Um, and Medeiros has, you know, has been pretty good for them recently as well. Yeah, Medeiros is a guy that's really going to pound the zone, but he does give up hits. Uh, 279 batting average against. Um, hasn't really struck out a ton of guys this year. I think it's because his off speed's not um, at the level that that uh, Rosario is, but his fastball is going to give you a little bit more. Um, 93, 95, it will sit there early on, um, up to 97 this year so far, maybe a little more low nineties once he gets deep in outings, but, um, his changeup like Rosario, high eighties changeup is probably his best off speed, um, has struggled a bit with the curveball. I think this year, um, has good depth to it, but hasn't really been able to get tons of swing and misses with it. Um, four, seven, nine ERA so far, but definitely a guy that can give you trouble if you don't take advantage, um, 
of the fastball. I mean, you got to be ready to go against this kid, big kid. Um, can't find. I look. I don't know what how, what is his height and weight. But, six. I think he's six three. Yeah, I mean, big, um, big bodied kid. Uh, definitely a guy that is going to be really good for them for a long time. Um, you know, looking at this doesn't really make me excited about facing Miami for the next three years, but um, Florida State's got weapons too, so we'll be fine there. But um, for Hubbard, I don't really not much to change there. Hubbard's been Hubbard so far this year. I mean, one twenty batting average against. Um, my only worry coming out of the last start was two strike hit by pitches. We're just um, just waste pitches. Just can't do that. Just can't. Just got to execute. Um, so just for him, I think that for him is him getting a little too hot sometimes emotionally and just trying to uh, you know really punch guys out um, with high fastballs and just gets away from you a little bit so just see him settle down a little bit um, and just keep going down in the zone um, with his off speed and you know work that upper part of the zone with his fastball the way he pitches it it's really effective up in the zone so um, yeah not much to change for Hubbard just kind of keep doing what he's been doing and give that for you five or six or four innings of good ball I think yeah um, that should be uh, another fun one, uh, another lefty-righty matchup. And um, I believe, is it uh, three straight righties that yep. Miami's going to throw at Florida State? Fetterman on Sunday, Grady on Sunday. Um, Fetterman's hittable, very hittable, and has actually been – he's struggled a little bit keeping the ball up in the zone. Does have good stuff. Um, has not walked a lot of batters, just three in 13 and a third innings. Um, but it, the, I remember – I have some friends who are Miami baseball fans, and – his stuff's flat. Like that's what they, they, they say the fastball, it can be 95, but like, it's not moving too much. And that's been his biggest problem. I look at it and he's given up 10 extra base hits already in 13 and a third, five home runs. Holy so man. yeah, it's not been a good start for him, um, to the season. So Florida state on Sunday, if it's in a rubber match or the Knowles maybe going for a sweep, hopefully not trying to just salvage one. You like the matchup with Grady, um, against Fetterman. Um, yeah, so I think Fetterman actually going to his starter completely changed himself away from that hard, flat fastball. Um, looks like against Florida, he was 87-91 with his fastball with good arm side run to it, but not the life that he used to have. Uh, you know, has a slower slider at 78-82. Um, has, has good delivery, good tempo. Just hasn't been able to get guys out this year, really. It's just, I mean, 13 innings in three starts, um, 17 hits. Man, the, the extra base hit number you threw out there, that is thir- 10 and 13 innings. Extra base, five homers and 13 innings. Boy, something is not right there. But, I mean, does miss bats still, too. I, 18 strikeouts in 13 innings, but also ten uh, that 298 average against. I mean, this is a guy that kind of had a 208 the year before, 351 2019, 225 2018 as a freshman. Um, yeah, I'm guessing – they're probably real confused there. I don't know. Don't know what to say about that. Um, I think it's still a quality arm. It's still somebody Florida State's got to be ready for, a guy that's off to a rough start this year. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's a veteran guy. He's been there before. He's pitched against Florida State before. He's pitched in big games. So, you know, this is still going to be a tough – not a tough – I mean, it's still going to be a, a good matchup between Grady and him, I think. I think he's going to throw a bit like Grady with slider change-up fastball, sinking fastball. Um, for Connor, just as always, be down in the zone. Give Florida State five quality innings, and um, you're going to give Florida State a chance to win every Sunday. So I think Florida State will definitely have a good chance on Sunday um, and a good chance overall this weekend with the matchups they have in, in the rotation. Yeah, I did. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Carson Palmquist looks to be the go-to guy out of the pen um, for close situations. He's 11 and a third innings. Already has five saves and six appearances. Yeah. Um, hasn't Zero, given up a, yeah. yeah nothing hasn't given up anything two walks 15 strikeouts looks like if it gets down to it uh, Palmquist is gonna be pretty tough to beat and they've yeah, got you, a couple you, of other guys I guess that they rely on but it's not a they don't go to a lot of different arms in yeah the that's the thing they just don't have much depth it's it's basically three or four relievers um you know they lost one of their lefties one of their key lefties I don't think they have much lefty stuff out of the pen besides Palmquist who's the closer but I mean this kid's numbers are ridiculous 11 innings, three hits, yeah, um, two walks, 80, 083 batting average against. I don't think any extra base hits. Florida State, yeah, you don't want to get, you don't want to let this kid have an opportunity to close a game out because he'll get the job done, I think. Um, and, you know, Florida State hasn't loved hitting against lefties so far this year either. So definitely don't want to let this kid throw too many innings this weekend, I think. Right. 
So we'll see uh, what Florida State does. Defensively, Miami, not fantastic. Not bad, though. Um, 964 overall uh, as a team. That's not terrible. Uh, I think a big weakness for them is is, um, Morales at third base. And Terrell stinks at first. Oh, man. Don't get me started. He does not move well. um, Does not really glove the ball all that well um, either. So um, there's there's some errors, I think, that are going to be had this weekend. Um, trying to think of if there's anything else to touch on this. Florida State's got to have a better defensive weekend this week. I don't think it's turf in it's grass. Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. It rains a ton mm-hmm. <laughs> in South Florida. They got plenty of opportunities um, for that grass to grow. I'm um, trying to see what else we need to touch on about this matchup. Um, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. One o'clock. Nope. Scratch that. Seven o'clock. Did I say eight o'clock? Or the notes wrong that Miami provided? Let me see what F- FSU's notes say. Nope, I was right. 7 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Uh, first two games, ACC Network. They so actually, have, national they TV. actually have an and sign on the second game. That's what threw In me off. Looked like, I thought it, you know, I'm not wearing my glasses. I thought it said 8, and I'm like, that. that's an and sign. Shout out Florida State for having our game notes right. Yeah, Stephen McCartney does a great job. So shout out to him and... Um, yeah, much better than than most. So, um, ACC Network twice, uh, ACC Network Extra on Sunday, and uh, I guess without further ado, predictions. I gotta go. We lose two out of three. It's it's working. You don't have to. You, yeah, that's what I'm not, doing. You're not, you to, you're not supposed to mention it after you. Pre- okay. If we lose this weekend, I'm blaming you. Um, Knocking on wood. Okay. I will say, since it's worked so far, and I actually believe it, I've been saying Florida State's going to go on a surge here um, in March at some point. And uh, so far, so good. I got the Knowles two out of three. I, I just think I think Florida State's playing loose right now. I don't think they're intimidated. They just played one of their rivals, who's really good, and had no, you know, I don't say they had no problem. They had no problems in that game, but mentally they had no problems. They just went out and played baseball. Uh, I love Messick on the mound on Friday. I think Hubbard's going to do his job. Uh, on Saturday and give you a shot. Um, but I do think we go to a rubber match on Sunday, and I just think Grady has kind of been that that iron horse for you all season on Sundays. So I got the Knowles two out of three. The bats have been trending pretty well, and typically in the game of baseball, the ebbs and the flows, your bats don't just get hot for two games and then die. So I expect FSU to at least have a have this um, peak uh, continue to go upwards Um this week against Miami. So I got Knowles two out of three. Brett's got Miami two out of three. Um, but I think in his heart, he, he might feel pretty good about this, uh, this Florida State team right now too. So we shall see. Knowles and Canes, are there any questions or comments that you want to read out before we sign off? Don't think we have any questions, but I'll just say I hope Florida State rides sort of this underdog energy that they took from Virginia Tech into Miami. Um, ever since they started playing like that, playing with fire, um, they've been a fun team to watch. So I just think seeing these guys keep doing what they've been doing, um, and I think they'll be fine. I think, you know, like you said, good feeling about this weekend. Yep. All right. So, folks, uh, please, if you could, um, and you have some time, uh, review us on on Apple Pods, on Google Pods, on Spotify. Um, that really does help um, to read your comments and. Um, please give us five stars if you can. Share this with your uh, other Florida State baseball friends. And um, we do appreciate you. Please email us, you know, add us on Twitter. Um, send us a DM, and we will try and get to your questions. And hopefully uh, positive news this weekend in Coral Gables. Florida State looking to knock off its third straight top 25 team and win its third series in a row and continue the hot streak that they are on. Until we talk again, Aria and Brett signing off. We hope you have a great weekend, and go Noles. Thank you.